What are some of your favorite Christmas songs? How about I'll Be Home for Christmas? That's a good one. That'll get you in the Christmas spirit, right? White Christmas. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Those are some popular ones. There are a lot of, of great Christmas songs, aren't there? Well, for this morning and next, we're going to be looking at two great Christmas songs from the Bible. And these may be songs that you have uh, read through a time or two, maybe even studied if you've been with us uh, for, for a good deal of time. You know that we have studied through these before, but uh, maybe you're here this morning and you have, have never read these. I guarantee you few, if any of you, will hear songs sung this time of year about these songs. We're, we're going to hear a song at the end of service that's about Mary's song, but, but they're not popular, not played this time of year, but they are beautiful, glorious, worshipful songs sung by the mother of Jesus and by the father of John the Baptist. This morning, we are going to turn our focus toward Mary's song. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 1. Continuing our series through Luke, and today we are going to tackle a large passage of Scripture. So buckle your seat belts. We're going to be looking at verses 26 through 56 this morning. So 30 verses. The passages we are going to look at today, they cover three separate events. You have Gabriel appearing to Mary to tell her about Jesus, a very popular encounter there. And then you have Mary's visit to her cousin Elizabeth. And lastly, you have Mary's song, which is our main focus this morning. But before we get there, we need to begin with Mary's encounter with Gabriel so that we can understand what prompted her to say what she said in verses 46 through 55. So let's begin this morning by looking at the reason for Mary's song. Why does she say what she says in the latter half of this chapter? Well, the first reason she says what she says is because Mary has an unlikely encounter. She has an unlikely encounter. Look at verses 26 through 27 in Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, if you remember our story from last week, there are some similarities here with a few key important differences. This time, instead of appearing to an old man, Gabriel goes to a young woman. Instead of appearing to a priest in a temple in Jerusalem, instead, Gabriel goes to a betrothed virgin in a lowly city called Nazareth. And this time, instead of giving news about the coming of the messenger of the Messiah, he delivers the message of the coming of the Messiah. So some, some major differences in these two accounts. But one important similarity is that Mary, like Zechariah from last week, was an unlikely person. She was. Remember we said that last week about Zechariah. Gabriel appeared to both of them. 
And he had, before appearing to Zechariah, Gabriel had, had not appeared since he appeared to Daniel, which we learn about in the Old Testament. He had appeared to this prophet, and he tells him of the coming of the Messiah. And then hundreds of years later, he announces the fulfillment of this prophecy when he appears to this lowly priest and then to this young an experienced, insignificant, unimportant woman named Mary. And also, the fact that she is from Nazareth is very shocking. I've said this before, but Nazareth was like a, uh, it was a spot on the map. I've used this illustration before, this example before. It was like the radiator springs of the Middle East, for those of you Cars fans in here. I'm from Arkansas. And there are a lot of towns like that in Arkansas. There is uh, one town called Mark Tree, Arkansas. Anybody familiar with Mark Tree? Okay, anybody from there? I need to know if it's okay to use this illustration. Good, good. I'll cut this out of the recording, right, Thomas? All right. Mark Tree, if anybody's listening for Mark Tree. But this would be like someone saying the most powerful world leader, the most, most powerful, most impressive, most important world leader ever known comes out of Mark Tree, Arkansas. That's how unlikely a person, how unlikely a place this is. Well-known pastor and author, Dr. Kent Hughes, said this of this situation. Look at this quote up on the screen. He says this, Mary was a nobody from a nothing town in the middle of nowhere. Okay, so this is the first reason that Mary is worshipful. She is worshipful because she has this unlikely encounter. The second reason is because she has shown divine favor. That's the next point. Look at verses 28 through 33. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. And she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give, him, give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Wow, what a message, right? Talk about blowing your wig back. That's a message. Put yourself in, in Mary's sandals. This well-known angel that she has only read about from the scriptures appears to her and says, you are going to be the mother of the Messiah. He says, in your womb is Jesus, the great one, the son of the most high, the king of all kings. Mary was shown Favor by God. That's the way Gabriel greets her. He says, greetings, O favored one. Then he says, you have found favor with God. Folks, I want you to understand, Mary was like everyone else. To our teenage girls in this church, Mary was around your age, no different from you. There was nothing special about her. She was a sinner, born and raised by sinners in need of a Savior, yet she is shown unmerited and undeserved favor by God. Another reason for Mary's praise-filled response in the latter half of this chapter is because she learns of a marvelous mystery. 
Look at verses 34 through 36. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren for nothing will be impossible with God. So Mary responds here upon hearing this news like any rational person would. Her response is, how? How on earth is this going to happen? I am am a virgin. How am I going to have a baby? And I love Gabriel's response down in verse 37. He says, nothing will be impossible with God. He says, Mary, you are thinking of man's inabilities, not of God's capabilities. And that's the way we need to think, believers, right? Not of man's inabilities, but of God's capability. He says, you don't know it yet, but your relative Elizabeth, who was barren, has conceived in her old age, and that's a work of God. And he says, this will be as well. He says, God is going to do a miraculous work. He is going to cause you to conceive while remaining a virgin. And though I I know Mary didn't understand the ins and outs of how God was going to bring this about, she believed God. She was a woman of great faith. But it's still a mystery. And there are lots of mysteries in Scripture, right? The Trinity is a mystery. The incarnation that God is, Jesus is truly God, truly man, that's a mystery. And though people try to explain these great mysteries using man-made images and illustrations, they often foul it up and fall short and get it wrong. There are mysterious things about God, mysteries that go beyond our understanding. They don't defy reason, they don't go against against reason but they go beyond our reasoning they are beyond us but that should not discourage us that should encourage us I mean shouldn't an infinite and eternal all-knowing sovereign all-powerful ever-present God be beyond us shouldn't we be glad to know that we serve a God who is above and beyond us in every way Do you really want to serve a God that you can explain completely and fully to a preschooler using a simplistic illustration? It's not a very big God, and that's not who our God is. That's not the God we serve. Our God, the one true God of the Scriptures, is a God that we can truly know. He is a God who has revealed to us all that we are supposed to know about him, all that we need to know from his word. But he is also a God we cannot fully and completely know because he is God. His ways, his thoughts are beyond us. And the fact that God is above and beyond us in mysterious ways should lead us to worship, should lead us to worship. Those mysteries led Mary to worship. They should lead us to worship believers. So, so these are some of the reasons Mary responds in the way that she did. Now let's break down her response. What exactly does Mary do when she receives this news? Well, first, she responds with humility. Look at verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. 
And the angel departed from her. Now, throughout Scripture, God's special announcements of of children to be born in miraculous ways, it's been met with a variety of responses. Remember Sarah, Abraham's wife, laughed. Zachariah, from our story last week, doubted. But Mary believed and committed herself to the Lord. She said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And let me tell you, and we'll talk about this more as we go on in this study, there was some great risk involved in Mary being willing to bear this child without having been with her soon-to-be husband, Joseph. Yet she was willing to serve the Lord no matter the cost. Mary was not about Mary. She was about God. Wonderful principle for us to apply to our life. She was not about her will being done. She was about God's will being done. We learn a lot from Mary's response here. We learn here that no matter the calling, no matter the cost, no matter what God's will is for our life, we are to respond in the exact same way because that's what's best. We are to respond with, thy will be done. We are to respond like Mary and say, God, let it be to me according to your word. Have you prayed that recently? That's a hard prayer to pray and mean. But we need to get there spiritually to where we're praying that. Knowing without a shadow of a doubt that what he has for us is best. So she responds with humility. Notice she also responds with shared worship. I love this encounter here. Look at verses 39 through 45. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, When the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Lots of great principles here. I love this account that that Luke gives us here. Ladies, you want some good examples of the type of ladies you should be. Here are two great ones right here with Mary and Elizabeth. First, notice that the center of their conversation is Jesus. Their meeting is all about Jesus. Believers, when we, when we get together, he should be the topic of conversation. We should talk about the fact that he is the hope that we have as believers. That should be a regular topic of conversation for us. He should be. Listen, if he's important to you in the least bit, he should come up in the conversation. How many of you parents get together and talk about your kiddos? Grandparents, grandkids, right? Sports fans, we talk about sports. Talk it to death, especially me and Bill McDowell. How many of you ladies get together and talk about crafting and and quilting? See, we talk about what's important to us. So if that's the case, Jesus should be a regular topic of conversation, shouldn't he? Well, he is for Mary and Elizabeth. Look at verses 39 through 42. 
In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. So we, we learn here that after Mary receives this news, that she's going to have this child, and after she conceives, she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And notice what happens when she enters the house. This is important. We're told that when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby in her womb leaped, and the Spirit of God revealed to Elizabeth that Mary was with child and with a special child. Now think about this for a moment. Who is Elizabeth pregnant with? John the Baptist, right? And what was John's main role in God's kingdom story? Prepare the way. He is the voice crying in the wilderness. He is the one God sends to prepare the way for the Lord and to point people to Jesus. And here in Luke 1, you have him being used by God in a miraculous way from the womb to point his mother to the Messiah. We're told that he, that he leaped in the womb and the Spirit of God in response to that action fills Elizabeth and leads her to praise this child of Mary's. Wow! Now, I love Elizabeth's selfless response here. Remember her child's special too? Any of y'all ever said that? My child's special too. Remember in the previous passage, we learned Zachariah saw Gabriel. He is told that their son will also be special because he is going to prepare the way for the Lord. But notice Elizabeth directs all of her praise toward Mary's son. She says, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Do you see the humility of Elizabeth here? Elizabeth is not all about Elizabeth. She's all about Jesus. She, she looks at Mary and says, you are blessed because you are the mother of my Lord. It's all about Jesus. And was that not how John was? Her son was the same way. Remember John? People were looking to him following him, and he points him on ahead to Jesus, and he says, he must increase, and I must decrease. John 2 was all about Jesus, and the application for us is so simple, folks. Are you all about you, or are you all about Jesus? Which one? Cannot be both. I don't care who you are, how many titles you have by your name, how many trophies you have up on your shelf, how many degrees on the wall, your life is not to be centered on you, but it's to be all about Him. We learn that from Elizabeth here in this passage and later from John and other faithful followers of the Lord. Notice what else she says, verse 45. And blessed is she, I love this, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Now, think about last week. You remember good old Zechariah? He was given this promise of a son, and he doubted. He said, but my wife is old. How's she going to have a child? And remember, the angel said to him, okay, Zechariah, though your wife is still going to have this child, you're not going to be able to speak until that baby comes into the world. Now, Zechariah would have still been mute at this time, but I like to think, we're not told it, but I like to think he was in the earshot of his wife here when she says, Blessed are you, Mary, 
Because you have believed what Gabriel said, unlike my husband back there, right? She praises Mary for being a great woman of faith. So we learn here, Mary responds to Gabriel's message by spending time with Elizabeth. And the two of them have a wonderful time of worship together. So, so Mary responds with humility. She responds with shared worship. And third and finally, notice that Mary also responds with a time of personal praise. Look at verses 46 through 56. I'm going to read this passage. I'm going to make a few observations while reading it, and then I'm going to draw out some, some principles from this song here that makes this song, I believe, such a wonderful and worshipful Christmas song. Look beginning in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary is worshipful. Do you see that? For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. She is humble, yet thankful. Verse 49. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate like Mary and like Zechariah and like others, right? Verse 53, he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. So, so Mary here expresses this hope for Israel's deliverance from their enemies. They had many at this time, and God is going to do all that and more for his people. He is going to show his strength against his enemies through sending his son and through lowly and faithful followers like Mary, like Zechariah and Elizabeth, like John the Baptist, and like so many others. Look at verse 55. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever, and Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. This beautiful, worshipful passage of Scripture has been referred to by many as the Magnificat. You may have heard it by that name. That is Latin for glorify or magnify or exalt. This passage is referred to as Mary's prayer, Mary's exaltation, or Mary's song. In fact, in the title section in your Bible, does it say something like that above this? Mary's song or, or, or the Magnificat, something along those lines? Yes. This is what is called the Song of Mary. And what I want to do is I want to look at certain key elements to this song that I believe makes this song a wonderful and worshipful and glorious Christmas song. First notice, Mary's song is a biblical song. It's a biblical song. This song is filled with Scripture. In this song, you will hear references made to Psalm 24, Psalm 25, Psalm 35, Psalm 98, Psalm 103, Psalm 118, 1 Samuel 2, Job 5. And what that tells us is Mary knows her Bible. And when she praises God with her lips and in praise and prayer, His words just flow from her mouth. 
Is that true of you? J.C. Ryle said this about Mary's song. song. Look at this quote on the screen. He said, She, Mary, gives expression with her lips to what has been treasured in her heart, and what has been treasured in her heart is God's word. Folks, we learn a great truth here about worship from Mary. When you sing songs to God, the best kind of songs to sing are biblical songs. You ever been reading your Bible and something just sounds familiar and you're like, oh, we sing that. That's good. That's a good thing. It's good to sing the scriptures back to God. It's the one guarantee that you're actually singing God's words when you sing his word to him. When we pray, it's good to pray his words back to him. we got a great book in there that will help you with that, Praying the Bible. Well, it will direct your prayer in ways that it's never been directed before, but, but God will be directing your prayer through his word. And the sweetest thing for him to hear back to himself is his word and us applying his word through praying and singing it. You can never go wrong. When you're praying and singing the Bible back to God. So when you don't have the words to say, Scripture will do. Especially the Psalms. So one reason that that Mary's song is a wonderful and worshipful song is because it's biblical. Second, Mary's song is a humble song. It's humble. She's humble. Look at verse 48 and then skip down to 51 and 52. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Verse 51. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Mary knows she is a lowly and unlikely person. Her attitude is not, it's about time you called on me, God. I've been sitting here waiting. No, her, her, her response is humility. She's probably thinking, why me? And then she thinks, thank you for for even considering me and for using me. She understands because God has chosen her. It is his desire to use the weak and lowly like her to showcase his strength. And that's true of me. That's true of all of us believers. That's why he's chosen us. We're weak, quick to sin. But God has chosen to use us to showcase his strength. Mary understands that. Look at this quote by Charles Swindoll. This is great. If Mary's hymn of praise tells us anything, it's that she did not consider herself exalted, but rather a woman very much like the rest of humanity, a sinner in need of a Savior. That's right. Mary knows there's nothing good and desirable in her, which is why in this song she expresses how great God is and how undeserving she is. She expresses the greatness of his gift in spite of who she is. Once again, great principle for worship here from Mary. Folks, worship is to be a humble expression of God's greatness. Worship acknowledges the holiness of God, the greatness of God, the majesty of God, and the sinfulness of man. And it also expresses the greatness of what God has done for undeserving sinners like you and me. That's worship done right. So Mary's song is a great song because it's a humble song. Third, it's a great song because it's a grateful song. Boy, this falls perfectly right after Thanksgiving. This entire passage just oozes thanksgiving. 
Mary was so grateful for this special privilege and calling, and that is a big part of worship right there. Thankfulness is a major emphasis in Scripture. I hope and pray that you spent time last week just praising God for how great He is for you, that you have life and breath and everything in Him. Thankful for your family, and most importantly, thankful for life eternal through His Son, Jesus. Thanks to the Lord is given and called for over 130 times in the Bible. You think God's trying to tell us something there? It's very important that we're thankful in worship. And Mary, Mary clearly is, which is what makes this song such a great song of praise. Mary's song is also glorious and God-honoring because it centers on God's plan. Mary understands that while she plays a key role, I don't think any of us would argue with that, in God's kingdom work, the plans of God are still much bigger than her. Look at verse 50. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. You see, this song is not just centered upon what God has done for Mary, but upon his bigger plan that's unfolding, that's been unfolding from the beginning, and about his work from generation to generation. Mary understood there is a much bigger plan unfolding, and we need to realize that as well. When we worship the Lord, our praise should go beyond what God is doing personally in our life. It should go all the way back to eternity past, all through history, and looking ahead at what God's going to do when he sends his son back for us to make things right forever. There is a larger plan unfolding. And that should be on our minds when we worship. Today we're going to worship taking communion. And a part of, of communion is looking ahead as a celebration in anticipation of the Lord Jesus' return. We need to praise God for the work He's doing in our life present, but also for the work He has done and for the work He will continue to do long after. When we are mindful of the fact that we just play a part in a much bigger story. It keeps us from being centered on ourselves and our circumstances and instead being centered on the Lord Jesus Christ and on, on God's kingdom advancing. Notice also that Mary's song is a wonderful and worshipful song because it's centered on God's promises. Look at verses 54 and 55. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. So here Mary is praising God for being true to his promise. Our God is a promise keeper. He is dependable. He is not forgetful. He is all-knowing and he is Faithful And Mary understood this, which is why she says what she does here. She calls our attention to the fact that God has been faithful to the promises he made long ago. Notice she mentions Abraham here. Familiar story, right? Y'all should know it. He chose Abraham, chose to bless him and promise blessing through him, telling him that he was going to make a great nation out of him. And he says, through that nation, all other nations are going to be blessed. And that promise is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. 
Jesus is the son of Abraham, we're told in Matthew 1. And through his great works that he accomplished during his earthly ministry, in his life, death, and resurrection, through that great work, the nations are blessed and we get to witness this on a daily basis. We get to witness this all the time. This, this being fulfilled, this blessing being poured out for every mission report that Brent and, and Ron and others send, we get to see the fulfillment of this blessing. Mary, like the prophets of old here, explains that God is going to, to do this work. He's going to, he's going to fulfill His promises through His Son, which He does. And we should praise God for that. Believers, we, like Mary, should praise the Lord for all the promises He has fulfilled in sending His Son. And we, like Mary, should also trust in the fact that He's going to, to fulfill it all when Christ returns. It's as good as done. You see, worship not only addresses what God has done in the past, what He's doing at present, but what He will do one day in the future. And it's based on his promises. One last point. Mary's song is also a wonderful and worshipful song because it's centered on God's gospel. What makes this song a wonderful Christmas song is that it's all about the work that Christ has come to accomplish. It's about his gospel. She says, God, my Savior... You have looked down on me in my humble estate. You have shown mercy toward me. You have filled me with good things. So Mary's song was centered on the gospel. And like I've said time and time again in here, that's where all of our minds should be this time of year. Though it's Christmas time and the images we see this year at this time of year are, are, are babies and mangers and stables and, and shepherds and wise men, the cross should be on our minds because we know why this child was sent. We know why Christ came. He was sent to save. He was sent to go to the cross to accomplish our salvation. So I love Christmas songs that we've been singing this morning that, that focus on that. Like Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Listen to the lyrics. Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. That's what the Christmas story is about. That's what it's about. It's about the king coming for the purpose of reconciling sinners to God. That's the gospel. And that is the story of Christmas. If you're here this morning, you have yet to experience this salvation that comes through knowing and trusting in Christ as your Lord and Savior. I pray today be the day that happens. Today be the day you trust in Christ alone for your salvation and be reconciled to God. That's the reason Christ came. The King has come and accomplished salvation so that you would step up off the tiny throne of the kingdom of self that leads to death and destruction and would bow the knee to King Jesus and receive righteousness and eternal life. If you have not made that decision today, if Christ is not Lord of your life, I urge you today, forsake your sin and bow the knee to the King. Make Christ Lord today and be saved. Let's pray together.